previously on Adventures Weekly. I thought I might actually reveal to you where my uh, studio is today. Uh, let's have a little bit of a look. Hi! <laughs> I think I can see a puff coming. Hold. I'm not sure where this puff's coming from. Hey Zeus, Renato, thanks for joining us. Yay! We have never been in such a situation. Not only us, but I guess 99% of the of the world. Yeah, that's a lovely shot, shot of Peter Blen and, and Hamis, the coach. Every time a sailor wins a regatta in Olympic sailing, they just jump into the coach boat and they hug each other and they celebrate together because it's... It's such a teamwork. 10th of April, my name's Nick Douglas. Lovely to be here with you as always. The CBIN V6 will be uh, manufactured in Brisbane. It's just that now we have to be um, super conscious um, that, that we're producing more waste and we've got to be better at um, giving it a second use. It's just been ringing off the hook and I'm not quite <laughs> sure how this happened. Oh my gosh. Oh my God. Oh my gosh! <laughs> my heart rate right now. What the? Happy birthday! Cheers, Majesty! The amazing Hannah Mills. So I took some time and I thought, well, if I'm going to compete again um, and go for Tokyo, then um, we were going to try and pledge to uh, make these changes. And then we thought, actually, it'd be really cool if other athletes, other sailors could get on board um, and, and join up with us and sort of make the word go a bit further, reach more people, um, and hopefully other people could join us and, and make a few changes as well. It's, um, it's one of my favourite pledges, I guess, which is um, to kind of leave no trace or leave wherever you've been cleaner than how you found it. And um, yeah, I think boat parks are, are a great place to just you know next time everyone who's watching next time you're in a boat park which is hopefully soon yeah. um you know during your regatta or your training just have a look around the 24th of april and this week we are going to sailport stephen i think we pretty much cooked dinner for everybody they've sort of driven through <laughs> and and uh everybody's brought their family and the kids and are you missing regattas as much as all of us? For those who don't know, Dennis Thompson is a PRO. Miss Stacey Jackson. Yeah, do you think you could smuggle a sausage sandwich across the border for me? You're a, a professional sailor. How are you keeping yourself entertained right now? Regatta by regatta, they were getting cancelled and delayed and, and postponed, etc. Um, so I am at home. I made it home safely. Um, and I have my little side business. That Here mm -hmm. comes a nice plug. Naughtybags.com.au. Mr. Kimo Worthington, the general manager for the US GP team. How are you going? Well, living the dream here, right? All locked up. It's awesome. You, know, you want to come out of this virus better than you started. Peter Kinney, Hans Henkin, the uh, hard workers. How are you? Doing well. Yeah, doing really well. I'm good. Fantastic. Doing quite a few boats in my time, but I never got up close to one of these before, and it was it was unbelievable, you know, and I always went to the kids and said, listen, you guys complain. You guys are the luckiest kids in the world to yeah. get this boat, this platform, and they put up this whole thing for you guys. If I hear any complaining, get out of here. Which of you was on board when this happened? I was on the weather side about going underwater, holding yeah. my breath. Yeah. Oh, my and gosh. I was this... on the leeward side of the boat, getting blasted with water from behind. 
So uh, wasn't that yeah. the forty-seven knots, you guys? Yeah. Really, really excited to see my Instagram stories over the past week. My friends in Italy, my friends in Spain actually getting to go outside and put their feet in water. Nev, you said you're missing sailing. They couldn't even go outside. Oh. Yeah, well, I, I, I think I'd be a nut job if, 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 um, if I'm not already. Calling from about a mile away. Yeah. I think that's a bit of 47, 47. Or I think that I'm closer and we're like, how did you even see that? I, I'm looking at the drone screen. I couldn't even see it. Uh, hence the Veneto Whisperer. Uh, it was like literally probably one of my life highlights. You, you do. I just want to put a big, um, a big thank you back to you for the, from the yachting community. Mm. Um, people might not know, but I actually sit on the uh, Royal Sydney Hobart, uh, the Rolex Sydney Hobart uh, proper sailing committee, the National Sailing Committee, and I've done a lot for our club at the Royal Yacht Club. And when I got the call, I thought it was a really good cause to cover all of those boats that don't normally get covered by the general media. Hats off to you. Like, awesome, awesome effort. Well done. Oh, it was definitely a team effort. And that's why it's really nice to have everybody on the line. Welcome, everybody, to another week of Adventures Weekly. Very excited to be back. I'm still on the south coast, isolating three hours south of Sydney. And in Sydney, we have none other than the Sidenick T. Welcome. How are you going? Hey, Nick. I'm good. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. How was your week? <laughs> it was really good. We had a really nice week. Um, I've been – I've made, I'm actually – making something at the moment which i might be able to show you uh next show which i'm pretty excited about we're recycling a old boat and turning it into a um a herb garden for oh, my stepmom how exciting yeah oh yeah happy mother's yeah, day so to all the mums for last weekend in australia yeah absolutely early in the uk should we get Especially um, the sailing mum the sailing mum exactly adventures of the sailing mums we wish you all <laughs> A happy Mother's Day. I think we're going to crack on quite quickly this week because our guest is somebody very special and uh, and somebody we want to spend a bit of time with. But we should do our, our usual news section, shouldn't we, T? Yeah, sounds good. Should we get on with it? Here we go. Yeah. Sailing news in 60 seconds-ish. Excellent sailing news in 60 seconds. The most exciting news is that... The UK is now officially allowed to go sailing, still maintaining their social distance. All of our friends in Italy and Spain that we've been checking in with are now able to go sailing as well. I've just got to show you this quick pic. Sorry, T. I'm going to steal uh, your little layer one for one second because I want to show this shot of Jesus windsurfing from week one of Adventures Weekly. What a legend. Great to see him back out on the water. The Noakes Sydney Gold Coast race, which is usually on the end of July, the last week in July, has now been rescheduled to the 3rd of October. We're starting to see things tentatively reorganised, which, of course, were definitely not a priority compared to the safety and health of everybody around the world. Correct. Now, uh, yeah. we have heard reports, though, that if there isn't a vaccine invented before the commencement of the next Olympic Games, which have been officially postponed by 12 months, they may actually not go ahead. 
So everybody's still playing it safe. And something else that's very important, and that will help to introduce our guest of the week, none other than the amazing Tracy Edwards MBE, Maiden, has safely arrived back in the UK. Welcome, Tracy. Hi, how are you? Very well, thank you. How are you? Okay, going a little bit stir-crazy in lockdown, but mostly okay. I know, it has been incredibly difficult. We've been a little bit lucky down in Australia. I've, I've heard a saying that there's two things that promote the spread of COVID, how dense your population is, and we're quite spread out, and how dense your population is. So a, a few others, like the Americans, are struggling struggling a little bit with um, how dense they are. So <laughs> we're, hopefully you guys are on, on the way up, which is good to see. Yeah, well, no one's really quite sure, I have to say. The, the, the messages from our government are very mixed, and uh, I think it's quite hard for people to really know what to do. You know, we're lucky we can work from home, but a lot of people can't, and I feel... I just feel heartbroken uh, for the decisions that some people are having to make. We're, we're very lucky. Unbelievably so. I mean, it's really hard to do a news section for this program. Everybody does want to keep updated on what's happening with sailing, but it's really not the priority right now in terms of the global scheme of things. Well, I think what is important is keeping things going. So, you know, I think the arts and sports and media and, um, you know, all the parts of our lives, culture, uh, which we so took for granted before this. I can't believe how much I, I have taken for granted, uh, you know, just going to the shops or, you know, walking down the road. I think it is important that we keep all of these things going so that when there will be an end at some point to this, uh, we don't know what that looks like yet, but that when that end comes that we can all dive back into uh, life. All right. I find it interesting that you say taking things for granted. Uh, Tiana here, who uh, who is my sidekick on the show, is 21, turned 21 on Good Friday, and she'd never heard of oh. Maiden. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> no. she, she now knows that you had a, a bit of a rocky start and um, you, you didn't necessarily choose sailing in the first place, but rather fell into it. <laughs> oh, Absolutely. Um, and when I give talks at schools, of course, they love this. The, the kids love this. I was expelled from school when I was 15 years old. So I do have to add the proviso. I succeeded despite being expelled, not because of it. Um, but I, I guess, again, you know, I was very lucky and uh, I did I did fall into sailing. But then, you know, I had uh, my mum gave me some great life advice, really. Uh, well, when she could speak to me when I wasn't slamming doors and um, being an absolutely vile and horrible teenager. Um, and, you know, she told me to follow my heart and to keep looking because she said, you know, you obviously have not got what you need here. And if you need to go traveling and you need to find what it is you're looking for, then that's what you must do. You know, you must go and find what you're good at doing. And the other thing she said to me was a great piece of advice. She said, everyone is good at at least one thing. <laughs> Go and find it. So I did. <laughs> wow. And, uh, it, is, it is amazing that you managed to find it. T and myself both have sailing fathers. So we've sort of sailed since birth and then we're lucky that that was our passion, sort of the other way around. <laughs> 
Like, yeah, I, well, actually, my dad did sail. Oh. I don't really remember my father. He died when I was 10, but um, he did take my brother and I sailing uh, once from um, Havant to the Isle of Wight, which is not a great distance. Um, and I was so seasick uh, that when we got to the Isle of Wight, I said, right, I'm going to live here. I was eight years old, I think. I'm going to live here because I'm not getting back on another boat again as long as I live. So I'll just stay here and you guys do whatever you want to do. <laughs> I still get seasick, but there's so many upsides I've put up with it. Oh, my goodness. Well. And, and then, I mean, there's so many people that you meet that think that sailors don't get seasick. I think that's absolute rubbish. <laughs> well, I think most of the guys say they don't. Uh, you know, I've sailed with some guys who've been horribly seasick, but uh, they managed to hide it. I just used to puke up over the side because it seemed pointless trying to hide it. So maybe, um, and uh, it's just something you know I've had to put up with, and I've learned to deal with. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm thinking of fast forward to this shot here, and uh, and you on a boat looking perfectly at home. I mean, you probably wouldn't have <laughs> nice and pictured, calm. Yeah, on that sail to the Isle of Wight, you wouldn't have thought that that would be your goal, would you? Well, I. You're right. And even when I uh, got my first job on a, on a boat, you know, at the age of 17, I was working in a bar in Greece and a guy came in and said, uh, do you want to be a stewardess on a charter yacht? And I went, uh, OK. And uh, off I went. And I loved the uh, I loved the camaraderie. I loved the team, the crew. I loved being part of this um, group of crazy, um, really disparate group of people who didn't fit in anywhere none of us really fitted in anywhere and uh, it was uh, it was then that I realized that obviously travel was going to be my thing but but not necessarily sailing I mean I spent the first few weeks you know being horribly seasick um, for me my real true love of sailing and when I realized that this was a, a passion that was going to be with me my whole life was when I learned, learned to navigate um, and that for me it it was like pushing a button it um, it made me realize that, you know, this, this huge world, um, that I was part of, of the world, that I wasn't on the outside looking in anymore, and that I belonged here, and that I had a right to, um, to learn and to explore and to find out what it was, you know, that I was looking for and, and what I would be good at. And for me, navigation did that just in one fell swoop and that really completed the circle for me and made me think yeah this is for me this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life my goodness so so how old were you when you got your first job on a Whitbread road on a Whitbread boat so you're a stewardess and then you went chasing your Whitbread dream yeah so I I spent a number of years sailing in all the mostly all of the oceans of the world, doing different jobs, working my way up through the ranks. Um, but uh, when I did the, the Whitbread Around the World race in 1985, uh, 86 Whitbread Around the World race, I was, uh, how old was I, 22? Mm. And uh, just coming up to 23 during the race. And I, I knew that I wouldn't get on as anything other than a cook. You know, there were 260, I think, crew in that race, and three of us were girls um, at on, all on different boats. I was the only one on a maxi, first woman to race on, a, on an ocean racing maxi. And, uh, I, you know, that was because they tolerated me, not because they wanted a, a girl on the boat. They really, I can tell you. 
but I managed to get on the boat. I, I knew I would have to be cook. There was nothing else for it. Um, but to learn the ropes and to understand the race and to get the experience, I had to do what I had to do. Um, and it was it was just a horrible, appalling, dreadful job. It was it was just the worst thing I've ever done in my life. Uh, but what it taught me was that I, I loved racing, uh, loved long distance racing. Um, for me, you know, racing around the boys is just miserable. So racing five, six thousand miles is perfect. Um, and uh, that's when I thought, yeah, this is this is what I want to do. This long distance racing, this is definitely for me. And then you found your absolute passion, I guess. Well, yeah, I did. And, and again, you know, something I fell into and I... I mean, it sounds like my, my whole life has just been one set of luck. And in, in a way, it has been. But I think that, you know, once you're lucky and once you are given an opportunity, it's, it's what you do with it, you know, that you pick it, pick up the ball and, and, and run with it. Uh, to use an analogy for my second favourite sport, rugby. Uh, <laughs> so I <laughs> just thought I'd get that one in there. Good one. Um, so... <laughs> I realized at the end of the race that this was so much fun and and so brilliant. And why? Why were there only three girls in the, the whole of this fleet? I mean, that just seemed to me crazy. I mean, I knew it was hard to get on the boat, but uh, there must be more to it than that. And it was really uh, when I decided that I wanted to be a navigator. I'm a better navigator than I am a cook, I can tell you. So uh, I was so a navigator. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My daughter will definitely agree with that. Uh, and it was it was the realization, the cold, dark realization that I would never ever be allowed on a boat as a navigator, not for a, a good number of years. Of course, now recently there have been um, Adrian Kahalan and Libby Greenhill, but uh, that was a long long time coming. And so it was that realization that I I wanted to do this thing that I thought I I could do and I was good at and I wasn't allowed to. And again, my mum's advice to me was always, if you don't like the way the world looks, change it. Don't moan about it. Don't whine about it. Change it. So that's how Maiden was born, really. I, I sat down and I thought, how, how do I change? How do I change this? I'm just this tiny little person that hasn't really done that much sailing, is kind of an okay navigator, but no one's going to take me seriously. How does one small person change the world? And again, my mum... <laughs> She said, you know, well, one step at a time, that's how you change it. So where do you start? I thought, well, if I'm going to get on a boat as a navigator, it's got to be my boat. She said, well, there you go. That's, that's your start. Uh, and then I met Howard Gibbons in a pub one night where you meet all the best people, obviously. And uh, he was a journalist. He was he was the, to become my project manager. Yeah. And we put this plan together yeah. and we said, you know, well, OK, so if it's going to be our project, let's make it an, uh, an all-girl project because then we get more girls sailing. And then, so, it, the, you know, I'd love to say that I woke up one morning with this passion for equality, but I really didn't. It was quite a selfish um, decision that what I wanted to do, and it ended up changing everything, um, you know, because we made it an all-female crew. And we suddenly realised as, as we, you know, as we were going through the project, We've got something here. A lot of people feel like this, and, and we've all got to come together and we've got to make this happen. So so we did. It's, uh, it's pretty amazing how many people throughout the course of history have said that something that was selfish to them has ended up being so selfless in a way as well. Because you say selfish I, and everyone else, you know, 
is we see you as a hero so (laughs) (laughs) well I guess maybe we all start out with that um because you have to have that thing that drives you and and you could say you know a lot of things are selfish you know if you enjoy giving people presents then that's selfish because it's your enjoyment so you're right uh and uh, I think that it for me it was a huge education it was a big wake-up call you know I was living this happy cozy life and doing my sailing and you know my having you know my little home on my boats and all this thing and this was a real wake-up call this is the real world you're not allowed to do something because you're a woman um and equality inequality sorry in in sailing well it still exists at the time it was off the scale I mean I I watch the film now so there's the film Maiden obviously which is out now and um you know obviously made and filmed 30 years ago I watched that film and I cannot believe the level of misogyny that we had to deal with I've kind of forgotten how extreme it was and you know it really reminds me how hard it was what we did and again you know I've kind of glossed over it over the years and Mm. you know 25 years Mm. later when they started making the film I, I really had to remember what was being said to us at the time and some of the headlines that were written by women Back to, the, back to the kitchen sink girls you failed was written by a woman um, and you'll never be as good as the men so why don't you forget it again written by a woman um, you know and then you've got Bob Fisher who is my dear friend now but at the time likewise was a tin full of <laughs> I know the, the sad thing was we just went oh, okay oh. <laughs> I mean, you, but you still got on with it now, yeah yeah we did because we had to and that was the thing you know people say oh you're so amazing that you kept going not really it was it was fear of failure and what that would mean for other women I I could only imagine what another woman would have to go through if we failed she wouldn't just have this whole misogyny and sailing to you know sort of to deal with she'd have our failure around her neck like an anchor so for me it was we had to succeed. We had to sail around the world. And I mean, I always wanted to win. I, I, I also found out while we were doing Maiden that I'm incredibly competitive. I didn't know that before, before Maiden. Um, so these things drove us and they were, they were unambiguous. You know, they were an absolute goal and they absolutely had to be achieved. Oh, it, unbelievable that you could keep going because you basically had the weight of a gender on your shoulders, so to speak. And for those who have seen the movie, I've now made T, who's in the bottom there again, I've now made her watch the movie uh, so that she could see it. But comments like, being a girl is like being disabled in the sailing world. Girls don't get on. You will die. Girls are for screwing when you get into port. That, that kind of still does exist sometimes. And the tin full of tarts, of course. I actually called Bob Fisher as soon as the movie finished the other night and said, hey, I miss you. What are you doing? Um, because he is now a big supporter of females in sailing. He's done the flip and that's probably your fault. <laughs> well, you know, Bob, oh, what a, he's just one of my favourite people in sailing. He Because he allowed his mind to be changed by us. He wasn't, um, and I think that's the great thing about a journalist, you know, that they look at what's going on and they report it. And you know, he was reporting everyone's opinion at the time. But unlike some of the other um, old has-been sailing journalists at the time who, thank God, are no longer anywhere near sailing, 
Yeah. Um, Bob Fisher was different. You know, he he watched and he you know he took notice of what was happening. And when we sailed into New Zealand to win our second leg, he wrote, um, "I'm putting salt and pepper on my hat as I write this article." And then he said, "They're not just a tin full of tarts. They're a tin full of smart, fast tarts." <laughs> <laughs> Fast Which we tarts. loved. We I like that. Absolutely loved it. You know, people kept saying, "Do you know the word tarts is still in the sentence there?" And I'm like, "It doesn't matter. Small steps." But then when we brought yeah. Maiden home, um, uh, I guess sort of three years ago when we rescued her, Bob was there. Bob came down to see her in, and you know, he did say that he said it's a bit dusty here, isn't it? I got my eyes are watering. Um, and so, and then he said to me, uh, you know, can we do an interview? So we went and sat down and Maiden was hanging in the slings, looking awful and terrible and very sad. And Bob looked at me and he went, tell me about girls' education. And I said, Bob, you have come a long way. And he said, I had a good teacher. <laughs> oh, don't you love it? You basically changed his mind. So we, um, we might have a little, a little segue here to our competition that we run each week. So, uh, T after researching and watching Maiden put together this little competition and we will have a winner, which I believe is also a woman. Hooray. Yeah. <laughs> so I think we'll have a little bit of a look. I've just got to get uh, the trivia loop ready. Here we go. Alrighty. So, so adventures weekly trivia Thursdays. Dun, 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 dun. First question. Do you want to read it out T? <laughs> How old was Tracy when she completed the Whitbread? 25, 26, 28, 27. <laughs> was it when she started or when she actually finished? Do you know Ooh. the answer, Tracy? <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I think it's when she started the Whitbread, hey, T? I th- yeah, I think, yeah, I think it was. Um, T? Yeah, that. The second, check with Tracy. The first the second you know, to check all your answers. Were you 25? I was 26 when I started the Maiden Whitbread. <laughs> the Maiden Whitbread. There you go. <laughs> Excellent. Second question, and I love this one. Uh, it is, what major award did Tracy win in 1990 that had never been won by a female? And it was Yachtsman of the Year. I find this one interesting, Tracy, that they've now split Yachtsman of the Year. There's now a, a female of the year and a male of the year. Um, I don't think there is. I think there's a junior now. A junior um, but now. I think it's still Yachtsman of the Year. Um, it's never changed. Uh, so I was the first woman in its 34-year history to win it um, in 1990. Since then, uh, two more women have won it, uh, Ellen MacArthur um and Nikki Henderson obviously Yay. and uh yeah the great Nikki yeah. um who was a skipper on Maiden for a while uh but they've kept it as Yachtsman of the Year and actually I don't really have a problem with that I don't either I think it's fine all all in go hard <laughs> we're actually split here so we have a Yachtsman of the Year and a Yachtswoman in Australia and I think Rolex okay. Rolex Sailor of the Year globally is male and female as well yeah there you go all right next one how many nautical miles is the whitbread around the world race way too many for me 
Yeah. Your, <laughs> your race. Have... Your race. Our race was 33,000. 33,000 nautical miles. Oh, yeah. full on. All righty. We've spoken about this already. What was Tracy's first role in the Whitbread? She was a cook. I love, I love your polite way of talking to the newsmen when they came to visit you and that was food can become very important when you've been at sea for a while. I hate that interview. Oh. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> you, you really would have loved to have said, I wish they'd actually let me touch a rope. <laughs> uh, but well done. All righty. How many legs did Maiden win in the Whitbread in her class? Dun, 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 dun. Two out of six. How amazing. <laughs> and as you said, you didn't even know you'd be competitive. No, I, I wasn't competitive in school. I mean, school sports for me was uh, smoking around the back of the bike shed. Uh, so <laughs> uh, finding out that I was competitive was um, a strange, strange thing, but it's never left me. I'm just as competitive now as I was then. I think that you may have confused competitiveness with determination maybe for a little bit. You're, you're so determined maybe. you had to be competitive. Just in I guess so, yeah, yeah. I, did, I didn't really get into sport really until sailing, but uh, yeah. That's so cool. All right. What race did Maiden do in the lead up to the Whitbread? Shame on anybody who got this wrong. <laughs> it was the Fastnet. Yeah. Yeah. Indeed. And your your poor friend broke her wrist. <laughs> yes, the boat broke. Joe broke her wrist and um, we didn't uh, have the right medical uh, equipment on board. So we had to go back to Plymouth. And then, of course, Joe missed the first leg of the whip bread. <laughs> she's, she's still gutted about now, I think, 30 <sighs> years later. Yeah, I, I would be too. I mean, especially... I think that must have been hard for you because the crew that you selected, and I'll talk to you about how you actually selected them, but she was one of your closest friends and sort of your counterpart, really. It must have been hard to go on without her. Have I lost, Tracy? Well, it was really, and this was the whole thing as well, you know, about the women don't get on just got a little sorry language. the sounds is I'm kind of lost the sound a little bit yeah sounds I'm just good. gonna I can't really hear you so I'm just gonna answer that question and hope I can hear you at the end of it okay um so we we picked the, the team that we wanted to sail the whole way round, and in fact there were only two boats that didn't change their crews the whole way round. you know other teams brought people in and out you know for for the different legs different skill sets we had the same team the whole way round as did Peter Blake on Steinlager. And of course he came first and uh, we came second. And that really proved to me that this power of having a team of people, that you train together, you live together, you work together, you dream together, you have the same passions, you're, you're all there for the same reason, is, is much more powerful than having, um, you know, a Southern Ocean leg expert on one leg, which of course there aren't any because we're all <laughs> women. We just, we had the women we had. Um, but no, the power of, of that team was was phenomenal, and I think towards the end of the race was was really recognised by the other crews as being a very strong and powerful team uh, of of people that stuck together and you know did the whole thing together. 
Oh, absolutely. Something to be said. And it's interesting that you say there were no experts on the Southern Ocean because I know when Team SCA came along, which we spoke about off air, was you know, the, the next all-female team to be successful, they found the same thing. Finding experts was incredibly hard because the men were relied on so much that then creating that pool of female experts, I mean, oh, it, that's something well, that this we really is why to work it, on. Mm. Absolutely, and this is why the Magenta Project is such a phenomenal and brilliant organization um abby Ela and libby greenhall and and the rest of the women 100%. you know this is something the one i only have one regret from maiden is that yes we went on to do other all-female crews you know i went on to do the jules verne um non-stop around the world record attempt with the first all-female crew but we didn't really i think and maybe this is why tia hasn't heard of me you know we didn't continue with it really we we all went on to our other next projects because we've done that we were off to do our next projects and I think what Team SCA have done so brilliantly is is keep it going, you know, keep that momentum going. You know, that they've they've got young women who looked at them and went, Wow, how do I do that? And then they told them, This is how. And and that for me it just makes them such a phenomenal uh, organization. I just I adore what they do. I think they're fantastic. And we work together a lot, um, you know, so as as part of the process to get women. But you're absolutely right. It is giving them the experience and the knowledge and the expertise to get them up through the ranks, to get them to the point where they can get on these boats. And it's a, it's still, you know, we still take women, young women sailing on Maiden who have had awful experiences of trying to get onto boats, you know, who are told to go make the tea love and, uh, you know, you're only here because you want to shag us all or something like that, you know, and you just think, what? That is still going on now? Yes, it oh, is. Yeah. Um, so... <laughs> Anything that can get women onto boats and get them sailing is great in my book. 100% agree. And and I've done work with the Magenta Project as well. I've sailed a, against a lot of them for most of my time. It was interesting. <laughs> I was showing Tiana some of my history and the results scorecard from Kiel in 2009, most of the people that then went on to do Team SCA or a, you know, involved were in that list in that result we all did match racing we all did a bit of yachting it's really funny how the same pool just keeps repeating itself uh you know the passionate people that are continued and then getting them to pass that on is incredibly valuable to create that next generation so um, that's why i'm like tiana watch maiden tiana <laughs> look at this <laughs> you know it's just like taking one girl at a time and and, um, and trying to pass everything on is, is also difficult. So the Magenta Project is, is amazing, I agree. So yeah. um, anyway, we should probably get on to the next question. We're never going to get through this quiz and get to talk about everything that you're doing oh, now. Sorry. So the next question, uh, who was the major sponsor for Maiden? And I think this is um, part of your falling into it, but also being incredibly opportunistic and friendly and lovely and you know, you just never know what's going to come around. But Royal Jordanian Airlines, that was yeah. An amazing so story. meeting King Hussein was yeah, changed my life. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. But I think you probably also, I mean, you were his friend, and you probably changed his too. It's amazing for him to have been involved with your story. I'm sure from the other side. 
Well, he was a he was a collector of people. Um, I, I, I am also a collector of people. Um, he <laughs> loved humans and uh, in all their forms. And so he made friends with a lot of people and uh, with people all over the world, not not just you know royalty and, and rulers of the world. And he was a great ham radio operator. Um, so I did meet someone at one point who uh, was Norwegian and had met King Hussein by sitting in his garden shed on a ham radio. <laughs> but he also sponsored Judy Ledden, who was the first woman to jump out of a hot air balloon and, and hang glide on the edge of space. So he was a, just an extraordinary human being um, that wanted everyone to, you know, he wanted equality and peace. And, uh, and that's, that was the message that made him sail around the world with. Wow. It's interesting because this year International Women's Day theme was enablers and who enabled you. Uh, and I think a lot of females in sport would actually say that it's the men that enabled them, not necessarily the women. Um, you know, there's somebody that gave you the ability to actually go out and get your dreams, along with the determination to keep going when it was incredibly rough. I think to a certain point that's true. I, I think that's changing. Um, I think I, I think there are so many more amazing women role models now uh, than really I, I noticed when I was growing up. Uh, and I think you know again through the Magenta Project, you know, have the, they have this extraordinary mentoring system. So you're more like you're more likely to have the opportunity to be mentored by a woman now than than 30 years ago. Yeah, indeed, it's very very special. All right, now the first job that you had on a boat and then you've come an incredibly long way did some people say bow tiana <laughs> <laughs> yeah they did some people oh, said bow <laughs> your first job on the boat chase <laughs> always at the front stewardess stewardess, stewardess. exactly serving the drinks cleaning the toilets oh. yeah. but gave you the opportunity to uh, to find an even bigger dream which is pretty amazing so uh, very very lucky and now you're helping to spread your own message so not unlike the magenta project there's the maiden factor which i find to be incredibly inspiring do you want to just tell us the the baseline about the maiden factor for those who may not have heard about it yeah sure so it, uh, five years ago literally almost the same week that i met alex holmes from new black films who was going to make the documentary mm -hmm. uh i had an email from uh, a marina in the seychelles saying did you know your boat maiden's been sitting here rotting for the past two years and what do we do with her you know we know she's very special and so i went oh my god you know just just you know keep hold of her and because uh, they said they were going to take her out and sink her which oh. <laughs> sorry what yeah. So I called all of the original crew because obviously we've stayed in touch over the years. I went, yeah. we've got to do something. So we put a crowdfunder together and within two months we'd raised the money that we needed to buy her. So we bought her again uh, in a worse state than she was the first time we bought her because we bought her as a second-hand wreck uh, to do the Whitbread in 89.90 and uh, completely restored her ourselves. And uh, there she was, she, you know, she'd just been left there. So, and then something really amazing happened. Um, King Hussein, who died in 1999, very sadly, and way too soon, his daughter, Princess Haya, heard that we'd rescued, as she called it, her dad's boat. <laughs> and uh, she called me up and she said, how can I help? So she funded the shipping back to the UK and the complete restoration of Maiden, which took nearly two years. And then 
in November uh, 2018, we embarked on what was then a two-year world tour. Obviously, with the break we've had to take, we've, we've re-evaluated and starting from September, it will be a five-year world tour. Um, but we, we wanted to, I think we wanted to give Maiden the opportunity 25 years or 30 years later that we hadn't given her then, which was to inspire others you know, to continue the story. And it was my daughter who said to me, you know, you, you're patron of all these girls' educational charities. Why don't you use Maiden to raise money for girls' education and, and raise awareness? And I just thought, that's brilliant. That is the next chapter of her life. And so that's what we do. So the Maiden factor, um, the uh, I'll just say very quickly how we came up with that. When we brought Maiden back to the UK, um, when we, we, we sort of shoved her into the travel lift because she was sinking, and uh, she's being pushed by a dinghy, and we lifted her out of the water, all this water was pouring out of her hull. And I looked at the guy on the travel list, and I said, do I know you? And he said, yeah. He said, I put Maiden in the water um, 25 years ago, just before the start of the Whitbread. He said, and uh, you know, he said, I've got, again, a little bit dusty here today, you know, wiping yeah. a tear from his eye. And I said, I'm so, I said, I'm so thrilled that Maiden means so much to other people and not just me. He said, it's the Maiden factor, and I went, I'm going to steal that. That's the name of our new project. So for me, the maiden factor is it's about teaching girls and inspiring them. It's, it's about telling them that they really can do anything and not to let people tell them they can't. Um, you know, we work with and support communities all around the world who in, enable girls into education and empower them to stay there. Uh, so we work with community projects and uh, we also take um, young women sailing. So we're literally doing, uh, we've been around the world once and a half, I think now, um, obviously we're now having to take a break. Um, but every time we sail in somewhere, we go and talk to schools, we work with communities, we take people out sailing, we spread the word, we raise money, um, we uh, take what we call mile builders sailing on each leg, and those are young women who want to get miles under their belts that we have had the most amazing skippers. Um, our first skipper was Nikki Henderson. Yeah, can't say fairer than that. Yeah. I know. And then our next skipper was Wendy Tuck. So another legend. Also a legend. And our, skipper, oh. <laughs> our skipper just before um, we uh, had to pause was Liz Wardley. Again, you know, another legend. I, I'm not worthy. Um, a legend, exactly. Uh, we have four permanent crew, um, Belle, uh, Courtney, Erica and Amalia, and we change the skippers every few months. And then we also have, as I say, these bar builders. So they learn from this extraordinary uh, group of women. And some of these young women have come from the Magenta Project. So it's, um, it's a really nice way. That, yeah, everyone's working together. So that's what we're doing. Um, Obviously, as I say, we've had to uh, take a break. Um, we found ourselves stuck in Antigua when we had to postpone the project. Uh, I, my daughter works for me on the shore team. We literally, she got the last flight out before they closed the airport. We managed to get all the other crew on, on different boats. Uh, so they are on their way home. And then we managed to get Maiden onto a ship. Um, Seven Star Shipping were amazing, gave us a really amazing deal. And um, Inmarsat, our sponsor, paid for Maiden uh, to come back to the UK. So she's just got back, she just got home again um, at Hamble Point Marina now until, you know, as I say, we can pick up uh, where we left off. So in the meantime, we're just fundraising uh, to keep Maiden's mission alive. We, we know from UNICEF that 
when um, children are allowed to go back to school, the group least likely to go back into education is girls and vulnerable girls and girls in poverty are most at risk from not going back into education. So what we do is even more important than it was before. So we, we can't wait to get going again. And I find it incredibly interesting given that, I mean, look, you can see this picture at the bottom of the screen here when Maiden finished her race and you are so focused on giving back to women for someone who just fell into it. <laughs> uh, you're so focused on giving back to women and their education when you were expelled. It's um, amazing. The, the irony has not uh, passed me by. Um, I think, you know, I had um, a life-changing experience uh, in 2005. Um, I won't go into details, but I wasn't paid for a big event that I put on and uh, I lost everything. And I had to get a job. And I had to write my first CV at the age of 43. That was a shock to the system. Yep. And this is when I realized the value of education because, you know, yeah, it's okay to be passionate and to throw yourself into it. And it's all very, you know, I don't know, cavalier. Um, but education is the power that women must be given. You know, if we, if we don't have an equal education system for girls and boys, women will never be equal. And, and for this world to survive what's coming next with climate change and with all of the work that we've got to do, we must have equality. Women at the forefront of fighting for climate change, um, you know, ecology, ecosystems, uh, you know, you've got the amazing Ellen MacArthur doing her circular economy. Um, you know, we, we must enable girls to have that power. Otherwise, this planet will not survive. And I absolutely believe that. And, and it's phenomenal what you're doing. Let's have a little bit of a look at the clip from the LA stopover, I think. It's, um, it, it'll really lay it out and then we'll come straight back. Our school engagements are always the highlight of any stopover for our crew. You never know when one of these students may be skippering Maiden for themselves one day. Across the World Spiral has been growing and growing and it looked absolutely beautiful as Maiden sailed past Venice Beach on a practice sail. We had a lot of people waving to the crew from the pier. This iconic yacht certainly makes an impact wherever she goes. We don't just meet young people in the local schools but also the young sailors getting out on the water ready to take over as the skippers of tomorrow. The crew loved visiting the local yacht clubs and we were so lucky to visit some of the best in our LA visit. Four years later, whenever I sail into port and I've navigated, I still have that feeling. I still get that feeling that everything, every time we're out on an ocean we can't see land, we're looking at exactly what Columbus looked at or Nelson, or all these people. I had some really good... Some beautiful images there of the kids and the hands on the spinnaker, which I saw... <laughs> when did I... I think I saw that when the girls stopped in Sydney. They got it out and actually showed us. Do you want to tell us a little bit yeah. about that? <laughs> well, this is um, this is Princess Hire's contribution to the sort of the ethos of what we're doing. She said when I met with her, she said, I, I feel that 
finally men and women are standing together to empower girls and to fight for equality and I feel that very strongly as well she said it feels like hands around the world people holding hands around the world to bring girls up and I just thought well, that's such a powerful image um, so Greg our school's liaison um, said you know how how do we make this real and visual and then he said you know why don't we get the, the, the kids to put their handprints on the sale so everywhere we go um, we have what we call a message of hope. So we have young people writing messages of hope to um, empower them, uh, and that gets taken in a baton relay on Maiden from stopover to stopover. And the young people that get their messages chosen to go in the baton, I mean, they'll go up on our website, but the messages that go in the baton, they get their hands on the uh, spinnaker. And now it looks amazing. I mean, it's, 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 even since we last saw it, it's not huge. So when we finish sailing around the world um, and covering a, a massive distance that we're going to, there'll be thousands and thousands of um, children's handprints on, on it's not just girls, it's girls and boys. Uh, we have to educate boys that girls are equal, so we include them in everything that we do and uh, that the spinnaker will be just one huge thing of handprints. Absolutely gorgeous. I, and it's really literally touching to see that tangible result as well not only with the girls who are also now being educated or at least understanding the value of education as well which is equally important and you know I think as well Nick what I I really it's this is an unforeseen result of what we've been doing but engaging with yacht clubs and teaching them about girls education their enthusiasm has been extraordinary because of course the yacht clubs is where we do our fundraising and they they're great hosts when we go into the stopovers. They host us, you know, most of them give us free birthing. Um, they're hosting events. They do fundraisers for us. And they're doing this for girls' education. And I think that's millions of people around the world who sail now suddenly are going, oh, some girls don't have an education. Well, that's not right. So an unforeseen consequence of this is that we seem to have joined two forces together, which is, again, very powerful. Yeah, I think that's a much better way of putting it than falling into something. You've had a lot of amazing, unforeseen circumstances. <laughs> yeah, I think, well, this one actually probably was the one thing I didn't fall into. Uh, when, when we got Maiden Home, it's probably the only thing in my life I've ever planned, you know, sort of sat down and gone, right, what are we going to do with Maiden? This is an important moment and we must do this properly. Um, Got a little bit sidetracked with what's going on at the moment. Not a problem we expected to have, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get through this and uh, we'll be stronger when we get to the other side and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll really hit the ground running when, when this is over. Absolutely. I, and I'm sure that you're one that is actually probably dealing with COVID better than most. Just I'm going to read this quote from the movie as well when you won the leg into New Zealand. Girls have to look like this, be like that, be like this, do that. But when you're at sea, you don't have to wash, you don't have to dress properly, you don't have to do your hair. It sounds like being in lockdown. <laughs> I love it. I mean, seriously, I, I have washed my hair for you for the first time in a very long time. And, oh. um, and I smell fragrant at the moment as well, Fantastic. but that will not last for long. It's, um, it's like being on a permanent camping trip isn't it or being at sea where you don't watch for six weeks great except you don't get to see those beautiful sunsets or anything like that but it's definitely the simple life that's for sure yeah absolutely
Oh, well, it's been so lovely to have you on the show, Tracy. Please um, stay in touch and we're massive supporters and along with the Magenta Project, thank you for all the work that the Maiden Factor is doing to help Could I, with equality. Thank you. Could I just plug our charity shop on our website? You absolutely um, can. Which Go is behind me, <laughs> um, www.themaidenfactor.org. If you click on uh, one of the pictures in the charity shop, you'll go into the charity shop. We've got some really amazing, unique maiden items for sale and all of the money goes to the charity. Which is beautiful. I've seen your logbook is on there as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a painting, Maiden's Compass, which we had a love-hate relationship with, I have to say. Um, and uh, we've also, when Maiden was being uh, restored, we had to cut some of the hull away, and we've made those into uh, little Maiden wheels, and uh, which, so you can own a part of Maiden. Oh, that's absolutely lovely. I mean, it must have broken your heart to cut her. <laughs> but if it was required. Yeah, but when you could stick your finger through the hull, we had to get rid of those bits. Definitely, good. definitely, definitely. And I guess um, there's there's been a few questions online. Most of them I think we've answered. So thanks to everybody who's, who's sent in questions. Uh, one of them that sort of popped through the cracks was when you came in to finish uh, the, the whip bread, obviously a lot of mixed emotions, a lot of feelings. Um, what was the overwhelming emotion? Relief? Um, Joy, or you couldn't pick one? Oh, that's really hard. I mean, everything all rolled into one. I think surprise was probably the, the, the biggest thing because we've been told by Howard, naughty, naughty boy, uh, that everyone got bored waiting for us and they'd gone home. So we were expecting just to just come in, you know, and, and Buckner was coming in, in front of us, so we were gutted about that, you know, and then, then all of these boats. I mean, it was so overwhelming. Um, and I know that we were all desperately trying to remember every part of that day, you know, the sights, the sounds, the smells, everything, you know, so that we could, um, you know, keep them in, in, in us. Uh, and I guess I do remember most of it, but surprise, um, being overwhelmed and sadness that it was over. I was sad that it was over. Uh, yeah, I think when you are as competitive as you are, which you've discovered, and determined sometimes when a goal ends, it's incredibly sad, but you've managed to turn that into a whole nother dream now, which is absolutely beautiful. So thank you. Thank you. No, thank you fantastic. so much. No, no, it's been so lovely to have you on. I should get Tiana back up so she can say goodbye and we'll, we'll let you go and then we'll wrap up our show for this week. But thank you so much. Hopefully we can have you back soon. Thank you. Absolutely. Excellent. Lovely to have you, See Tracy. you on the other side. <laughs> Will do indeed. Oh, my gosh. So amazing to have you on the show. See you later, Tracy. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Oh, my gosh. T, she's still a hero. <laughs> she is so inspiring. I was just in awe that whole time. <laughs> oh, absolutely. We were going to have our adventure of the week, but I don't want to play it because... I'm a little bit teary too <laughs> and um, and I might hang up the phone and go and have a little bit of a chat to Tracy. So everybody enjoy your Friday nights in Australia, in this part of the world. Enjoy your beautiful Friday in the UK. Please everybody stay safe, stay home. Please look after your families and we will see you next week.
Bye, everybody. Thank you so much to Tracy. You can follow at Thanks The Maiden Factor or at Maiden Factor or Tracy Edwards at Tracy Edwards MBE. And make sure that you check out some of those items to help out the charity. And a shout out to the magician.